My name is Anna Grutzner, and my intention is to discuss, embody, and share my learnings in all things psychology, the human mind, mental health, and wellness. This is a platform to refresh my own knowledge and stimulate conversation before I pick up further psychology studies after completing my bachelor nine years ago. I welcome you on this journey of learning, unlearning, and relearning psychology and what it means to be in joy. Welcome back to Enjoy and to today's conversation on the psychology of a psychology graduate. I have with me here the beautiful Belle Munro. Welcome, Belle. Thank you very much, Anna. Lovely to be here. (laughs) And this is actually our second time recording. We had a crack Mm. this time last week and we recorded a one-hour conversation and was very funny, very insightful, (laughs) but the video file and the audio file went corrupt. (laughs) So (laughs) it's literally a podcast nightmare, but we're back here. We've had a rehearsal round, so Mm -hmm. we're going to be very finely tuned Mm -hmm. and we're ready to go. We're ready to rumble. (laughs) We're ready to rumble. (laughs) So Belle and I met, uh, I was seeing a psychologist called Carly, who we absolutely adore. We love Carly. And Belle was working at the front desk on reception while she was studying psychology. And every time I would go up to pay, whip the Medicare, ca- Medicare <laughs> card out, we'd have a chat. And like everyone who meets Belle, she just, we became friends instantly. Aww. And you were so warm and divine. And Aww. I'd come out with like remnants of tears on my face <laughs> and you would be there just smiling and laughing. And we, that's, sweet. that's where we first connected. And then when I was looking to study psychology, I didn't have many friends that had gone down that pathway and you were someone that I reached out to. Mm-hmm. And we did a few blocks of the tan, a few laps of the tan, and you were telling me all about your experiences studying psych. And our friendship's really kicked off since then. It has. Yes, <laughs> we are. We're very close now, aren't we? Exactly. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much for joining me today, Belle. No problem. Thanks for having me. So that's my intro of how we first met. But do you want to share a bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. Um, so as, ev- like, as everyone knows, my name is Belle. <laughs> um, I am 28 years old. I, um, I've just finished studying psychology. I've got just the placement left and then um, I'll be finished with that. So that's very exciting. I um, live in Richmond um, and I work in Richmond as well. So that's very convenient. And yeah, I grew up in Mount Macedon and basically that's that's mm. me in a nutshell. Gorge. I didn't know the Mount Macedon. I just learned that. <laughs> Macedon. Macedon. <laughs> um, beautiful. Okay. And whereabouts are you in your sibling birth order? I'm the second eldest. Yeah. So there's, I've got two younger brothers and then one older one. And so, yeah, I'm just underneath. Yeah. The oldest. Middle child. Yeah. I think I'm the thing in the middle. middle. Yeah, one, two, and then three is me. Yeah. And then four is. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. What is that? Well, the episode I did was on birth order and parenting style. And all it really focused on was oldest, middle, youngest, Mm. only children. It didn't really talk about four plus. So I don't know whether you'd be third child, youngest, or middle child. Yeah, yeah. And also another thing I will just add, um, I don't know whether this makes a difference, but um, I'm the oldest biologically Mm. and then Aiden's my stepbrother. 
so but we so there was a little bit of time there where I was like the oldest until obviously my mum met my stepdad and yes. then I became a middle yes. child as well so yeah got you super sure. interesting what yeah. age did that happen um I think I was around 12 okay yeah wow all right because I think it's very most prevalent when you're properly you know kids mm. children mm. and then as you sort of come into teenage years I don't know. Interesting. Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah. Okay, you're a bit yeah. of a hybrid. We love yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> what is your star sign? I'm a Pisces. Pisces? Yeah. I love this. I already know all this. <laughs> We're going through it for the second time. <laughs> Tell me, what are the traits um, of a Pisces? Well, I actually, I don't know that much about the traits of a Pisces. Mm. All I do know is that I think that they are, well, I've heard along the grapevine that they're very, like, emotional yeah. signs. Um, and that they're very, like, kind of in the, um, in their head a lot, like, as in, like, they, like, kind of live in a fairy tale in their mm, head. A fantasy, I've yeah. I've kind um, of, yeah, I think that that's, yeah. Mm. What do you know about Pisces? I remember hearing, because G Mort, who I interviewed the yoga teacher psychology yoga teacher episode she's also pisces and she said emotional was one i remember mm-hmm. i feel like it was quite a free spirit vibe or maybe yes. that's just how i think of g but i feel yeah. like that <laughs> i feel like that's a pisces trait and also yes like imaginative fantasy yeah that's yeah. being true yeah definitely and what are you what stars are you <laughs> i'm aquarius <laughs> so still learning exactly what that means but I, I think it's like independent um yeah. quite free-spirited goes with the flow it's an air sign yeah nice yeah cool so whatever that means <laughs> explains why we get along so well, exactly so what is a or describe a typical day in your life so um at the moment I am working as um I'm working at an infrared sauna studio in Richmond um, and there's an ice bath there as well, which I love. So pretty much my typical day is I'll get up, um, I'll probably have a coffee um, and then I'll make my way to work usually. Um, I'll have a smoothie before I go to work most of the time. Mm. Then I will get to work, I'll do my day and then typically after work I'll do Pilates or I'll go for a walk or catch up with a friend um and then yeah I go home after that it's a very a simple life that Mm. I have but I that's what I like about it yeah heaven especially after all those years studying it must yes it was once not like that yeah 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 and we will get into that Mm. (laughs) and when are you most enjoy I'm most enjoy when I'm definitely when I'm with people Mm. um that I love so I find that like when I'm in kind of social settings um, with family and with friends, um, definitely in the summer. Mm. I have a real thing with the weather. Um, anyone who knows me knows that. And also I just feel like when I'm in m- most joys, when, yeah, like the energy is good, when I can feel that other people enjoy. Uh, mm. um, yeah. I just love like, for example, like a summer day with like a group of friends just having – just like a simple cheese platter or something like oh, that. And talking heaven. like that is me in joy. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, gorgeous. Here we are in the depths of Melbourne winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I, which is, yes, very, <laughs> very difficult, but. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that really yeah. resonates. Yeah. 
And so that's a bit about you and who you are as a person, which I think is great context to understand who you are in the context of a psychology graduate. Mm -hmm. So if we start to look at that part of your life and you're a woman who does many things, when did you first decide that you wanted to study psychology? Um, I, I think I decided, so I first um, came out of school and then I went into uni and then I was studying um, a whole bunch of different subjects that I didn't really have like a plan. I was going to do just like a simple degree, like something that could get me into a lot of things. Mm. Um, and I, I don't even remember the degree that I started off with, but it was something um, not memorable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I started with that and then I, I thought to myself, um, you know, I'd love to study psychology and then I basically started that. But I kind of have always been very interested in the human mind. So mm. I didn't really necessarily know straight out of school that I wanted to study psychology per se and become mm. a psychologist. But I've always had a real interest in the human mind mm. um, in every possible way. And I do think that the human mind kind of relates to every single thing that we do as humans, mm. like all the way down to how this house looks, um, you know, who we're friends with, mm. what we think, what we do, like everything comes down to psychology. Yeah. Um, so I've always just loved books and like thinking about and talking about the human mind mm. in all aspects, not just mental health. Mm. Um and so I kind of, yeah, probably subconsciously um, decided very early on, but not, I didn't really know yet until a little bit later, but mm. yeah, that's the answer. Love that. Yeah. And I think that's something that's <coughs> quite unique to psychology is that it tends to be more interesting after you have developed life experience. Yes. Understanding your own mind. Yes. Being exposed to different minds. And Definitely. then you start to think, you know, why are we all... The way that we are and definitely seeing subjectivity and oh, all of absolutely. these aspects. And you and I have discussed this at length. Like, yeah. <laughs> just observe. <laughs> You're like, yes, I know. We, we have. have. <laughs> we deep dive. Um, we, we have. And it's just like observing different people's behaviors, even like, you know, your friends' reactions to certain things. And yeah. like, it really is pretty cool when you look at it and you just think, wow, like, what actually, what are the factors that have led to that way of yeah. thinking yeah. or that way of feeling or someone's like physiological reaction to something mm. and like there's never an answer which is another thing that I just mm. love <clears throat> I just love the fact that we're never going to really fully know like we can mm. always kind of investigate it mm. um but the fact that it, it is that our own minds are so intelligent and that it's very hard for us to figure ourselves out yeah. is the best part of it for me. Like yes. I just find that that's the best. So true. It's just a constant journey of learning. Exactly. It's just, and then it, it, it's just exciting to see the infinite intelligence really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> and where did you study psychology? Um, I So it's a clinic called ISN, um, mm -hmm. the Institute of Social Neuropsychology. Mm -hmm. That is where I completed my honours and then my um, the theoretical part of my master's. I've still got the placement left. Yeah. Um, and then before that, I was at Swinburne just mm -hmm. doing the bachelor. Okay. Yeah. And how long did it take you all up? 
excluding breaks and he sort of oh, went in and out probably like I'm trying to think about when I actually started so it would have been so I think I started studying in 2017 mm-hmm. so in total that's six years is it so far and I still haven't yeah. finished I still haven't finished my placement um so all the all the I still haven't finished my placement or mm. me being a provisional psychologist for a whole year. So that's mm. that takes me all the way to like a year and a half. So okay. in total, it would be six plus a year and a half, which is Got you. seven and a half. Yeah, yep, yep. I see. Okay. So placement is considered still part of study more so than... Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yep. Yeah, yeah, the theoretical... So the studying part of it like all of the thesis and all of the subjects and stuff like that Mm. I've completed yeah it's just but it's still considered a subject the placement interesting yeah that hands-on experience and so you've done one placement do you want to share a bit about what you did there what you learned yeah so basically it was very very interesting um just in Bandura so the a lot of the kind of cases um and stuff that came my way were just really a lot of it kind of brought me back to reality Mm. of what kind of stuff people have to deal with Mm. and a lot of it I noticed was it was just very apparent that the socio-economic background was just it was a real like it really impacted their mental health and it it just showed me like how many complex issues these people have just because of their low socioeconomic Mm. background Mm -hmm. and I just found that very interesting and we all know it Mm. but when you actually see it Mm. for what it is it can be quite confronting so um having said that though I loved every aspect of it because I felt like I could kind of work with all age ranges um I I worked with children Mm -hmm. I worked with um adolescents I worked with two parents Mm -hmm. um I don't think I worked with anyone who was kind of in their like late like in their 70s or anything like that that would be cool for me to do when I do do that yeah um but yes, we had a lot, we had kind of all sorts of things like most of it was depression, anxiety. Okay. Um, we had some ADHD mm-hmm. in there and yeah, those were the, the, the common ones. Yeah. And was your role to counsel mm, or question. what did you do on a day to day? Yeah. So that's a good question. I think that, um, so there was a lot, a lot of stuff it wasn't just counseling most of it obviously so pe- pretty much it, it's like the idea of it is that we want to mimic what we'll what we'll do and practice what we'll do yeah. when we practice psychology yeah like as um fully registered psychologists mm-hmm. so pretty much you're working with clients and you see them on a regular basis and you formulate plans as to like what their problem is, mm. how you're going to treat their problem, like how you're going to work together. Mm. Um, and you kind of come up with that together, depending on what it is. Some of the stuff I was doing, diagnosed, like I diagnosed someone with um, ADHD really? and yeah, she had autism already, but I diagnosed her with ADHD as well. Wow. And then I had, I wrote up and I did some testing for that. Mm. Um, the, in, some of the intelligence testing and yeah, pretty much wrote a report um, diagnosing her 
with ADHD. Yeah. Trying to think what else. And how, how is that delivered to the yeah. patient? Like, is it on a piece of paper or? That's, a, again, a great question. <laughs> so it's kind of you ha- the idea, and it's so good that they teach you that you should really be following up with a call. Mm. Um, I followed mine up with a pretty much like a session. Okay. So I pretty much had a session yeah. that was dedicated to going through the report with them. With and explaining. a supervisor as well. So I had, what I did was I had a supervisor read over my report. I see. And um, he signed off on that and he said, that's good. That's exactly what I would have done. Yeah. We had a discussion about, you know, the reason, like the scores and stuff like that. Because yeah. the scores will kind of indicate whether they do or don't. So it's really yeah. good in that sense that, it's not so you don't have it's not really fully up to your interpretation yes. so that's I do like that yeah um that it's kind of like it is either this or that there's a yeah. lot of part that there is a lot to it that is where you have to interpret yes obviously yeah but um yeah you kind of just do it you come you get the scores together and then there's they either have it or they don't mm-hmm. um and pretty much he signed off on that and then I told him what I was going to say in the session mm-hmm. to the client mm-hmm. and then I had the client just one-on-one okay. and I basically explained to them what everything means and she was – it was very interesting to see because people react to those things differently yeah. and she was really like glad yeah. that she got that diagnosis because yeah, she imagine. was saying that she was – Makes sense. Had, yeah, like she had been dealing with a lot of symptoms that she didn't really – understand what was going on and it was irritating her yes and so she said to me she was like all of that when I was kind of reading out the um behaviors and stuff that she may like display and Mm. she was saying that's me to a t yeah wow so yeah very interesting and she was kind of relieved she's like yeah that's exactly me and I think I diagnosed her with um it was ADHD without the hyperactive part so there's like it was more the attentional aspect of it. So there are different aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Mm. That's actually such a big responsibility to do first year out of school. Yeah, it was, it was. And it's so good that we get that support Mm. from the supervisor because, and I do think that that's one of the, a real strength of the masters um, is that they really do hone in kind of, practical stuff yeah through supervision which is a great thing yeah definitely because that's the people who really know what they're doing are the ones who have actually worked in the field yeah multiple years absolutely you know you're being supported Mm. and you probably feel pretty safe giving that diagnosis with exactly yeah exactly and you kind of get a bit of direction as well from them like sometimes the supervisor will say like what about this did you notice this Mm. and stuff so it's really good for learning yeah yeah wow sets you up really well yeah what would you say was your highlight and your low light of studying psychology? Um, my highlight, probably just completing, um, like just ticking off the subjects. Like to be, <laughs> I mean, as morbid as that sounds, you know, that, that really was my plus yeah. was literally seeing the years go down. Yeah, It's, it's not, like I'm it's not a complaining thing it's more just each time you do complete a subject or Mm. each time you do complete um, a thesis or an assignment or anything like that you do feel a great sense of um, achievement Mm. and you feel like you're one step closer to being finished so that was that's been the highlight 
pretty much throughout the whole way. And mm. you get that along the way because you complete assignments the whole way through. Yeah. So that's been really good. Plus I also did make quite a few friends. Mm. Um, so that was also a highlight yeah. because I really – Love. Of course. Yeah. I love <laughs> <laughs> like you would have made friends with more. everyone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was lovely. Yeah. And like I still talk to – that's a really good thing because I've realised that I can still kind of ask them questions and stuff. Like mm. when I – you have like a pool of potential psychologists that you can kind of yeah. get information from. So yeah. that was one thing that I f- found really good is you can just message them asking about even assignments and – things like that and even yeah. just like placements and how they do things and yeah. all of that. Um, work. Mm, definitely. And then in terms of the low the low light, um just I think that again it's not there wasn't like one particular low time. I mm. think just you do kind of you get you do get like exhausted and mm. sick of the same kind of stuff and you kind of just really want the lengthy process to come to an end. Yes. It's kind of like the cookie is like so far away. Yeah. <laughs> so that, relentless. Like, I sound like a, someone right now who has no ability to just like wait patiently. And like, <laughs> no, not You know all. that marshmallow experiment? Have you heard about that? No. Where like they give these kids, they tell these kids to um, – Basically, they tell these kids, all right, you can eat this marshmallow if you come back, like when I come back. Yeah. And they basically leave the person there with the mar- the, the child with the marshmallow. Yeah. And then some of them would just eat it straight yeah. away no, and then good. others would wait. Really? And they found – it's like delayed gratification and they found that mm. people who can have delayed gratification yeah. are usually more successful in life. Like, like when they tracked those little individuals, really? they figured out that the ones who were really successful were the ones who waited. My God, I love that. So right now I'm just like, I just sound like someone who just can't no. wait patiently for the for the. Not at little... all. I feel like seven year study is pretty brutal and most yeah. people would really resonate with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just, yeah. And then it's like also you kind of do just want to be able to kind of um, get on with your career because it's kind of you want to start being able to make some money and yeah. like actually being able to practice and have yeah. experience and stuff, but you can't do that because you've been studying. So. Yeah, I totally get that. Okay. Yeah. That but yes, yeah. but all around it's been really good. Yeah. Amazing. And so you mentioned before you have done your thesis. Mm-hmm. What did you write your thesis on? So I had two theses. Um, I had the first one was um on so the first one was looking at um brain lesions in stroke patients so kind of what the purpose of me doing that was to I was really interested in in knowing what part of the brain was related to um social inappropriateness Mm -hmm. and so pretty much what I have observed and what the literature was saying was that when people tend to have a stroke, they tend to have more socially inappropriate behaviour. Mm. So, for example, sometimes some people may have experienced this where you're in a nursing home or something like mm. that and there'll be an, an old person who's had a stroke who will say something 
sexual, for example, mm. when it's just not a time to say sexual not comment. The time or place. <laughs> <laughs> not the time or place. Yeah. And I'm sure that a lot of people have experienced that and yeah. they might just think, oh, that person's being really creepy and oh, old. Okay, yeah. But there's actually like it happens more amongst stroke patients. So yeah. I was really interested to actually understand why and what part of the brain is actually damaged Mm. that usually is in charge of socially appropriate behavior like what what part of the brain kind of um is at play when we're sitting here talking about this normal stuff and i don't say something weird yeah got you You know yeah so i just i just wanted to know i was just interested so and what was the brain region the frontal lobe so that's like kind of where all of the main thinking is happening Mm. um in the frontal lobe so that was really cool and i loved like really loved working with my supervisor pascal on that one that was really cool um and then my second one was on emdr which is um emdr i Eye movement, yeah, I remember. I because I remember, yeah, eye movement desensitization. Um, uh, rap, it's rapid eye movement desensitization or something like that. You keep talking, yeah, look it up, look it up. Um, it's anyway, the it's just I've had a mind blank, but basically, the idea is that it's looking at that type of therapy. Mm. Um, what is it? We've got it eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Oh, yeah, okay, there you go. Yes, so we were very close. (laughs) Um, so basically, it's a type of therapy that the very short idea is that you kind of follow the practitioner's um, hand and your eyes are moving back and forth basically. Mm. And at the same time, what you're doing is you're recalling a trauma. Got you. So what, so what they've discovered is that for some reason amongst trauma people, Mm. it like lessens their trauma or completely at, like in some cases completely gets rid of that trauma. Wow, yeah. So what I looked at with my thesis was um, that type of treatment, EMDR, um, on people who have had post-traumatic stress disorder in the workforce Mm -hmm. and it showed that it lessened it. Wow. Yeah, so that was, again, very interesting. I found them really interesting and I really loved that aspect of studying was being able to kind of have a look at truly what therapies work and yeah. why and what part of the brain is connected to certain behaviours. I just find that really cool. Yeah, it's so fascinating. I think when people think about psychology, psychologists, they automatically think about clinical, you know, one-on-one, working through mental health issues. Mm. But there are so many emerging therapies and it sounds like EMDR has really strong results for PTSD. It does. Yeah, it really does. It's like the number one thing that's used Mm. um the number one psychological therapy that's used for it and it's the one that's the most effective and how i'd love for you to share the story about um how this was discovered we touched on it in our first attempt (laughs) oh yes we did yes so there was this there was this woman shapiro i think her last name is Mm. um i've forgotten her first name but basically she's a researcher and she does a lot of work with um, meditation Mm. and she one day was she's like really cool i I watch some of her youtube ted talks Mm. and stuff like that sometimes just because i'm just really fascinated by the stuff that she says about meditation yeah but one time she was walking um in a bush or something like that and she was her 
her eyes were moving up and down and she had like this this movement from whatever she was doing and she said that at the same time she happened to be thinking about a traumatic experience that she had and then she felt differently after she she did this so basically like she just wanted to investigate why that happened interesting yeah it's just so fascinating and it's so cool that you can that I mean, that's what I mean. That this is what I'm talking about. That I'm so interested in. How can moving your eyes from yes. one thing, like like, how does that all relate? Is it something yeah. to do with re? I think what it, the idea is that you rewire the memory in a yeah. different way or something, it's like in so a way that your body can handle the thought or something. Yeah, but all it's through just eye movement, amazing. Yeah, it's just that mind body connection. Mm. And we'll never probably in our lifetime completely understand it yeah i agree but if it works it works yeah well that's exactly (laughs) (laughs) so what was your favorite subject throughout studying and why i think my favorite subject was we had a subject that was called counseling skills Mm -hmm. and i found that that was probably my favorite one because it was very um kind of actually what we're supposed to be learning about like Mm. I found that with uni a lot of it was very scientific and Mm. a lot of it was kind of statistics and learning how to write a thesis and learning how to research and Mm. stuff like that there was very little kind of practical learning and you know stuff about how to actually help people until Mm. much later okay we didn't start learning about we it started trickling in in honours Wow. And then master's was a, a little bit more. But, yeah. yeah, we had a lot of the other learnings was kind of just looking at theories that people had in the past yeah. and that kind of stuff. Anyway, so the subject that I – yeah, I enjoyed that subject because it – they used to do case studies mm. and they used to put, like, a case study up on the screen and then they would send us off into our groups to discuss – how we would deal with that case study. Mm. So it would be like a 28-year-old girl who's got depression and lives in blah, blah. And mm. then there's like all of these different things that we have to take into consideration mm. that we've learned. And it's pretty much just like a test to see whether like how whether we're looking at all of those different aspects, like where they live, whether they sleep, like yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of putting your learning all into into practice but also the part that was really cool was seeing what other people actually said yeah that is where I learned the most some people yeah some people were amazing they would say something or they would pick up on something or question something that I wouldn't even think about wow and I remember just thinking this is so cool like yeah I'm picking this up from everyone else and we had some students as well who were like mature age students who already were psychologists or like we they were they were doing like there was this one girl who um she was like the head of headspace or something like that and she'd been literally practicing like counseling and stuff like that for ages and she had so much knowledge wow Mm. yeah so learning from each other yeah, so that was definitely my favourite subject, yeah. Mm. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. So what are your perspectives outside of study, just on the psychology industry? What <clears throat> do you and don't you like about the way that psych is happening or being done right now? Um, so I think that 
there's a lot of progress. Like I think that I really love the fact that there are things like EMDR mm. and that cognitive behavioural therapy and, and that there are actual treatments that people can put into place that actually do have statistical, like they actually do work mm. amongst like a lot of people. So mm. that's something that I think is really great is that we do have those go-to therapies. Like mm. if, if there is something, if someone does present with something specific, you can kind of attack it with another thing that's very specific. Yeah. There, there are a lot of those therapies. Yeah. Um, and so I love that. I think that it gets complicated because you require the DSM in order to kind of do all of that, like in order to find out if they have anxiety. What's or, the DSM stand for, just for anyone who doesn't know? Uh, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. The DSM can be positive and can be negative, and I think that um, the reason I say that is because it is the, the human mind is so complex that it is very hard to just kind of put it down to a couple of dot points. Right, yeah. Um, and I also do think that, people come to different conclusions about diagnoses. So mm. like, as I said before, someone might be really, really happy with their diagnosis because it provides them relief that they mm. actually aren't crazy. Yes. And, you know, that there's actually fair reason, that there's a whole, like, it's an actual thing that mm. they, that a lot of people experience. Cause I yeah, think it that, validates them. Exactly. And I think that people do feel isolated sometimes. Mm. Like, I know of a lot of cases where people will suffer with OCD, which mm. is really a tough thing to kind of um, deal with mm. and they won't even know. Yeah. And they'll just be thinking that all of these intrusive thoughts and stuff and honestly some of them will think that they've been crazy for the past however many years yeah. for having these thoughts. And then when they find out that it's an actual thing and that it's actually normal and that there are actually a lot of people who have it, mm. it provides them with a lot of relief because they yeah. just think, oh, okay, like this is yeah. just not, it's not really my fault. Like it's kind of just happening. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but then there are also people who will internalize the diagnosis or they'll, mm. they'll find out that they've got something and then they will kind of, it'll change it will impact their life in a negative way. Mm. Like they might be told that they've got ADHD and mm. then suddenly they might make conclusions that they can't do school yeah. and that they can't retain information. And yeah. then that causes a whole host of other problems, which so if they weren't told that, well, maybe they would or wouldn't. We don't know mm. whether what would happen, like whether their school results would be good or bad because yeah. we don't know how much of it is because they've been told that they've got something. Yes. So that's kind of the part where I would say that's like a negative and positive kind yeah. of one. Um, yeah. And that I don't really have a solution to it. Yeah. Um, I do think that um, there's always going to be this kind of critiquing of mm. what's currently Occurring. So mm. in 200 years or 300 years, there's going to be something else that we're critiquing that is there for a reason and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. look, those are my thoughts on that. And mm. then I do think that I would love to see, I think in terms of improvements, what you were saying before about what I think about psychology mm. and like what I, you could potentially add mm. to the way it currently is, um, yeah. would be kind of utilising the subconscious mind a little bit more yes. um i have a real fascination with how the subconscious mind um impacts the way that we think and the way that we act and mm. our lives basically yeah um and you can see it when with like for example 
when someone gets hypnotised, mm. there are cases that have occurred where someone will be addicted to something like alcohol or drugs or smoking and then suddenly they have a couple of sessions and they don't have that addiction anymore. It's incredible. And that has happened. That, yeah. that, that's a thing. So yeah. I do think that the fact that that works and that there's something related to the theta brainwave yeah. state which we've spoken about this before yeah um basically it's like getting into that relaxed just for everyone out there um yeah. just that kind of relaxed just before you're about to go to sleep your brain is more impressionable so you can kind of impress onto your subconscious much easier um much more easily than what you would be able to do just in a different brain brain frequency. Your waking state, yeah. yeah so you can kind of like i wonder how much that would be related to trauma and like mm. inserting new kind of ideas and stuff like that mm. i do so basically i think that we do work with the subconscious because the subconscious also learns through repetition and yes. that's what psychology is you yes. repeat cognitive behavioral therapy is basically changing your thoughts mm. And restructuring your thoughts on a regular basis in regular sessions about whatever it is that you're thinking about. Mm. And then that's pretty much repeated, which is why it works. So that is the subconscious mind. Yeah. I would love to just see a mix of like hypnosis and psychology as something that's kind of taught. Yeah. And just kind of teaching psychology students a little bit more about the subconscious mind. And, yeah. And yeah. So true. And what are some of the current therapies that exist that tap into the subconscious mind that you're aware of? Well, hypnotherapy. Well, yeah. And like, even, I mean, I don't know this for a fact. So hypnotherapy is one, but even like EMDR, like mm. how much that's, you know, cause there's. Is there a relaxation element? Well, yeah, I think there is. Yeah, I mean, you said she's yeah. big on meditation, right? Yes, and I do. It sounds like I'm clueless about the own topic that I no. um, researched. <laughs> it's just that I haven't looked. I actually haven't looked at my thesis in a while, so I'm just trying to remember mm. like things that I did on it. Which, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that I'm trying to think. So yeah, cognitive behavioral therapy. I would say any kind of repetitive therapy where mm. it's like you're repeating something. It's just. So a lot of them are, like yeah. um, most of them would be, but what I find that would maybe might be helpful mm. is learning about that. Like yeah. we get taught the therapies, but we don't learn that the reason why they work is because you repeat that, so true. that thinking the and why that actually is the case. Yeah. And yeah. how that's related to the subconscious. It's so true. It's just that layer deeper about, yeah, mm. the mechanics of how it all works. Mm. I also find one really interesting is um, kinesiology. That's something I used to do when I was a kid. And that was more for learning because I was just a bit slow off the bat <laughs> in <laughs> school. It, highly doubt and, um, <laughs> and then I sort of saw this kinesiologist throughout my life. And I recently just started seeing, or well, I've had one session <laughs> with a new kinesiologist and she is exceptional. She's a yoga teacher that mm -hmm. I, I practice with. And I went and had a session with her and she was so great. And that is all about the mind-body connection and I don't even know what she does to be honest but she touches different pressure points of your body and 
it's like the subconscious of your body almost. Wow. And each yeah, part has a different energy and a different blockage and it's it's That's incredible. incredible. See, mm. like even just that just absolutely like perplexes me and it's yeah. just so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's all of these things that are so different to Western medicine. I'm yes. No shade here, but I'm just not into medications at all. Yeah, no. I understand some people need to take them for various things, but yes. my personal choice is to avoid it as much as I can. Yeah, and for people like me that have that same mentality, all of these new alternative therapies are so exciting. Oh, absolutely! And there's just such big potential there. Absolutely, and I know you're the same. I am gorgeous. Well, is there anything else that you want to add to say? Mm. Any other just thoughts? that if anyone's studying psychology, just keep going and you'll eventually get there. Mm. Um, and yeah, just ride the wave. Keep riding that wave. <laughs> it's going to take you down, down, down into the dumps, but you <laughs> will come dumps. out. You will come out. You I will promise. come out and you will emerge like this <laughs> wonderful woman. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Belle. No problem. Thank We're you gonna for having me. We're going to go and have dinner now, Yay. which is exciting. Treat. Yes. Thank you so much <clears throat> for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with our beautiful Belle. Please share it with a friend or leave a review. And I can't wait to see you back here next time. Thank you. See you.